Hello and welcome to the Monroe Nutrition Clancast. I am Jason Monroe. This is episode 16. Now, a bit of a different one today. I thought it would be helpful for me to record an episode about my West Highland Way experience. Um, so, <clears throat> for those that don't know, like I'm sure you do because I sent enough emails and spoke about it enough on my Instagram stories, but on the 1st of July, yeah, on Friday the 1st of July, I set out to do the West Highland Way in three days. Now, traditionally, at a push, people do this in five days, seven days, if they're kind of doing it as more of a holiday, anything up to 14 days. There are 13, 13, don't want to call them villages, a mixture. Um, it's Fort Williams a city, isn't it? So I don't know what Mulgai would be. But anyway, there, there's basically 13 stops along the route, okay? So uh, including the start and end point. So the West Highland Way is uh, a 96-mile route from Mulgai in Glasgow to Fort William in the Scottish Highlands. Now, it is something I've wanted to do for a very long time. Um, but I also like to do things for charity. So you may remember two years ago, don't mind if you hear my mouse clicking, I'm just, I'm on the West Highland Way stuff to, so I can talk through all of this. Uh, yeah, a couple of years, years ago, uh, during the first lockdown, in fact, 2020, and at the end of May, I decided I was going to go out and do a hundred thousand steps in a day. I just decided, let's go and see if I can do this. Why don't I... Um, donate to charity in the process. So I went out and I did it for BEAT, which is an eating disorder charity, the same charity I supported for the West Highland Way. Um, and I did it. Uh, I can't remember the exact results. I posted them on Instagram, but it was something like 15 hours or 14 and a half hours. I set off at four o'clock in the morning. It actually ended up like 130,000 steps, 55 miles um, of almost non-stop walking. And I absolutely ruined my feet. I was so underprepared for it. Um, but I didn't know what to expect, right? I, I enjoy walking. I climb a lot of hills. I've climbed many Monroes. I, I just like it. And I, I, I knew I could go out and do it. I just didn't realise <laughs> what sort of mess it was going to make of my feet. So you can imagine that that was a bit of a worry um, when setting out to do 96 miles across three days. Now, not only that, when you have a social media presence... Um, and when you put, you know, like you're doing something for charity, you want as many people to know about it as possible. That creates a certain level of accountability. Here is something I said I am going to do. I am asking you to donate this money to charity in good faith that I am going to be able to do it. Um, so there's a bit of pressure there. But I already had the evidence to say that I could do 55 miles in a day. And I knew that if I could do 55 miles in a day... I could certainly do 96 over three days. So here's how it went anyway. Uh, day one, Mulgai on the Friday. Now, first of all, it's very tricky to plan a three-day route on the West Highland Way. Four days is a doddle. Five days is a doddle. Like I said, there are 
13 villages along the way. So the, the, the trouble you have is trying to split 96 miles up into three equal parts. That was the problem. Um, and there, there are things I wish I'd done slightly differently. So, but I'll talk about those because, you know, if in, I have had a few people message me since saying, oh, I'd like to try and do this. So this will be helpful for them. So day one, Mulgai. Um, and I went from Mulgai to Inversnade. Now, Inversnade isn't traditionally a stop that's encouraged on like the websites and stuff. It's not one that they mention, um, but it's one you can absolutely stop in. So, uh, Mogai until Inversnade was honestly a doddle. It really was. Um, let me get the big map up here. So, when you leave Mogai, Mogai is actually great because, um, it, it, it makes such a big deal of it. So, like, the start point is in the town centre of Mogai. And they have this big, massive sign, this big stone. Then they have these big steel plaques. Like, it was so cool. Like, I got some nice pictures. Um, and, yeah, I was in the Falkirk Herald, uh, our local paper, a picture of me and my son because my eldest wanted to get up and come through with me and see me off and all that and it was beautiful um, and we got a picture and he and I were in the paper together which was lovely. Uh, but yeah, they have this in the town centre, they, they make such a big deal of it compared to Fort William who have like a statue of a guy sitting down <laughs> and that was it. Um, but yeah, in Mogai, they make such a big deal of it. And I had actually also looked at doing it in reverse order. So again, one of the, the one of the things I found difficult was splitting it up into three days. And I even looked at it, you know, getting the train to Fort William and coming backwards. But after I did a bit more reading, and people do do it that way, by the way. But after I did more reading, the idea, you know, the idea behind it is um, what's the word I want to use? Mm, I'm not sure. So, yeah, the the sim, sim the symbology of it. Yeah, some. Yeah, the sim. Yeah, it's meant to be symbolistic. Is that what? Anyway, the symbol the symbology behind it is: you are supposed to be. Turning your back on Glasgow, turning your back on the big city, turning your back on industry and walking into the peace and the beauty and the tranquility of the Scottish Highlands. And that really resonated with me. You know, I, I did think, do you know what? I don't think I do want to do it from Fort William and come back the way. I want, I want to do it what I kind of believe to be properly after, um you know, reading about that and learning a bit more about it. So I was like, nope, I am going to make this work in three days. Um, let's do it. So looking at the map, I eventually broke it up into my three pieces with much, much faffing about. But Inversnade was going to be my first stop, which is about th three quarters of the way up Loch Lomond. So from Mulgai, 
I went to Drummond, which would traditionally be one of the stops. Balmaha could potentially be a stop. There's a lovely inn there called the Oak Tree Inn, where you get the best burgers. Then Balmaha goes to a place called Rewardenan. Um, and then from Rewardenan, you go past one of the Munros, uh, Ben Lomond, one I've not climbed yet. And then you arrive at Inversnate. Uh, so my first day, I think, was a 32 mile day and I did it in 11 hours and it was genuinely very easy honestly very easy um just to preface this I did not train for this at all zero training I did not go and do any long walks I did not go out and do like 10 milers at the weekends just to like try and prepare myself for this I walk up a local hill frequently. That's a couple of hours up and down. The dog gets walked for an hour every night. That's the limit of my training activity um, for this kind of distance, like just walking distances. So just to let you know, I didn't train as such to do this. I just knew I could do it. So 32 miles was going to be day one from Mulgai to Inversnade. Now at the back of my mind, my biggest worry was going to be my feet. I knew that as long as I could keep my feet intact, I could do this. No problem. So that was my biggest concern. Now the last time I did a big walk, as I said, I wore trainers running shoes, but well, they were great for running, they weren't great for walking. And I ended up with huge horrible holes in my feet I didn't I had some plasters I didn't have half the stuff I took with me this time um, I had six pairs of clean dry socks with me I had powder to go inside my socks to absorb any moisture and keep them dry I had um, zinc oxide tape which is the tape that boxers wrap their hands with uh, beneath their gloves I had Two big strips of that with me, different lens, pair of scissors to cut them up. So basically, any time, you know, every... <laughs> I'm going to pretend like I did this every five miles. I didn't. Any time I felt my feet starting to get a little niggly in any shape or form, I would stop and take my socks off. To be honest, I think the first time I did this was actually Balmaha. So I had walked, I'd already walked a serious distance before I did it for the first time. It wasn't actually, it was Drummond. I stopped in Drummond at a bench on the other side of Drummond uh, and checked out my feet. I swapped socks, taped them up, taped up any hot spots, looked after them. Everything was tickety-boo and I carried on. Now, genuinely, the first 20 miles of this was easy. Possibly a little more. I'm just kind of going from memory here. But the first 20 or so miles was a doddle. It was not very hilly. There weren't really any steep inclines. You were on main roads for a fair bit. So you were on kind of level tarmac quite a lot. So yes, there are a lot of paths for the West Highland Way. Um, but in the early stages, you do have to join main roads quite a few times to walk from like, you know, one part of the West Highland Way to the next part. Um, I can see them on the map here. So, for the most part, the first 20 miles was a doddle. And if you go on to the westhighlandway.org website, you also see the elevation profile. You'll see that for most of the first stint, it's not hilly at all. Um, it's really when you get from Inverarnon to Tyndrum and beyond that it really starts to pick up. But the first 
20 or so miles was a doddle. Now, I can tell you exactly when it started to get a little more tricky and exactly when I started to slow down. Um, and this was when I hit Balmaha. Now, I love Balmaha. Um, it's one of those places that, I, you know, I would jump in the car and just drive to to go and have a wander about. It's a lovely wee place. And as I said, the Oak Tree Inn, the Oak Tree Burgers are tremendous. But once you get there... And you go beyond the Oak Tree Inn and you come round the corner. There's like a kind of jetty bit where boats get launched. There's also a boatyard there. Um, you have, th- th- this is where the West Highland Way leaves the main road for a long time. And you, you kind of, you come round that corner and there's a road that goes up to the right, but the path goes straight on and you get to this kind of viewpoint at the end called Balmaha Pier. And from there, that's it. You are on the West Highland Way path. It is a rocky up and down path. It goes along the coast of the, the of Loch Lomond, the east coast of Loch Lomond. Um, and that was when it started to get very tricky. Now you will you'll see some beautiful beaches, you'll go through some little campsites, um, you'll see some spectacular scenery. But it did get very difficult in places. Um, The first 20 miles, every time I looked down at my Garmin, five miles had passed, four miles had passed, five miles had passed. I was cruising so quickly in the initial stages. The weather was great as well, which helped. Um, And then when you hit the kind of coastal path of Loch Lomond, that's when it, you know... (laughs) Every time I look down at my garment, I'm like, oh, come on, two miles, are you joking? A mile and a half, come on, I've been walking for ages. That's when it felt like it really slowed down. Um, Then I went through Rewardenen, which is, you know, there's like a bar there. Uh, It's where people park to go and find Ben Lomond. You pass like a youth hostel, a bunkhouse. You also there's quite a few um, honesty boxes along the way as well, which was really nice, like a converted phone box and a couple of other things. And then after that, it was just a long kind of hike into Inversnade. Now I stayed at something called the Inversnade Bunkhouse, which I would highly recommend. I would also mention that they do a transfer. It's actually 800 metres uphill from the West Highland Way, perpendicular to the West Highland Way path. So you ideally do not want to be adding an unnecessary 800 metre incline onto your day. So you ring them up, they have a car that they send down and the guy picks you up. Now I got picked up with a girl, I think her name was Claire, an English girl called Claire. Um, the two of us were getting transferred up to the accommodation together. And she, you know, she was just making conversation because I looked knackered, which I'd just done 32 miles, right? 11 hours of constant walking. And she said, oh, where have you come from? I says, oh, Mulgai. She went, yeah, but where have you come from today? And I went, yeah, Mulgai. She's like, oh my God. It's like 30 miles. I'm like, yes. But honestly, I left at six o'clock in the morning yeah, 11 hours. I left at 6 o'clock in the morning from Mogai and I got to the bunkhouse at 5pm. Oh no, I got to I got to Inversnaid at 5pm um, and I called the guy when I was like 5 minutes away and he came down and picked me up. Um, so I was in the bunkhouse, checked in. They have 
it's like a hostel, right? It's basically a hostel. And they have pitches outside to camp. There are a couple of um, touring caravans that you can actually stay, pay to stay in. I was in a lodge out the back next to the river, which was lovely. It was like, it was just this wooden building. I think this, I think staff lived above and there's like an apartment above it. I, th- I think it was staff that lived up there and below was two separate bedrooms with separate security doors and a shared bathroom stroke shower, bath- toilet stroke shower. Um, I had the room on the left and I stayed there for the night. Now, I it was great. I, I was showered. I was changed. I had my trainers and comfy sh- socks on. I went up. You know, I booked myself to go for dinner at like half seven, I think. I sat outside in the sunshine and read my book, charged up everything, had my battery park charging in the room. It was great. Really was. The first day was just spectacular. And it really put me in such a great mood for what was ahead. And not only that, you know, watching the the donations roll in as well was just amazing. Um, so yeah, I went in, had my dinner. Now I'd been walking all day. I had been eating as I went, little and often. Um not stopping to have like big pack lunches or anything like that, just eating every hour or so, making sure something was in there for my body to run on. Because obviously burning thousands of calories walking those distances. Um, I went up to the restaurant, had a big dinner, had a pudding. What did I have actually? I can't remember what I had for dinner. It was a cheeseburger, funnily enough. <laughs> Talking about burgers again, as I did in the last episode. Uh, big cheeseburger chips dinner. Um, ginger sponge pudding with custard. A few bottles of beer, two bottles and a half to be precise because I was too tired to get through the third one. And off I went to bed at 9pm because I knew I was going to get up at 4 the next day and set off as close to 4 as I could. So everything was packed, I was ready to go. Up I got at 4am, I had the 800 metre downhill walk to do first of all from the bunkhouse to get back to the West Highland Way which was fine. But the problem was... I stepped out the door and it was a torrential downpour for two hours. So I think I left at like half five. So from half five to half seven, it just rained. And all the work I had done with waterproofing, you know, my wife got me a really great jacket a few years ago for a birthday or Christmas for taking up the hills and it was wonderful. And I washed it before I went. I did all the the TX direct washing stuff. I put all the waterproofing back in it. It lasted an hour before it was saturated. Um, the where my straps from my bag were touching the jacket, the the rain just ran into them. Um, my t-shirt was getting wet. It wasn't great, and you can imagine the panic I was having because instantly I'm like, "Oh, my feet! My feet are going to get soaked. I'm going to be walking in wet boots for forty miles because this was going to be a forty mile day in Versnaid to King's House." I was panicking, so. I did walk for a while, I just stayed wet for a while and I thought, do you know what, I will wait until this rain, I'm not going to change into anything just now, there's no point. I was checking the weather as I went, it said it wasn't to be that heavy, that was to be the worst of it. So I was like, let's just get this by, let's just get this by and get changed into your waterproofs and change your t-shirt and stuff once it eases off. So I did walk, I continued walking for a while. And then it did lighten up, so I found a, a sheltered place. I put my—I'd already stopped to put my waterproof trousers on before I left the bunkhouse because they had um, 
big gazebos outside, so I sat under there where it was dry and did that. Took my jacket off, took my t-shirt off, dry stuff on. I just put my waterproof jacket on, like my dog walking jacket, which is literally like wearing a plastic bag almost, you know, completely and entirely waterproof, but also a bit sweaty. So I had to have that trade-off, but far better to be a little damp and a little sweaty than fucking soaked to the skin. Uh, and my shoes weren't too bad. They actually held up really well initially because I had done all the waterproofing work with those as well. They were a good pair of Salomon GTX Gore-Tex boots that I've used a lot and been up many mountains with them and they've been amazing. Um, but the hours I was doing, they did eventually get wet. All the water that kept running down my waterproof trousers onto them, you know, you can't have that going for hours and hours. Eventually, you're going to get wet feet. Uh, it was fine for a long time. Uh, Saturday was easily the hardest day of my life. Easily. 40 miles, 15 hours it took. Raining on and off pretty much all day. I did get to a point where I got back into my shorts and took my waterproof trousers off. Um, The jacket was on for most of the day. But yeah, that was the day that everybody's messages really got me through. I phoned my wife crying a couple of times because my feet were so sore. Um, Yeah, it was just a very long, punishing day. But once again, I knew I could do it. All you had to do was keep walking. Like one of the things I've learned a long time ago that applies to these situations is that pain discomfort like none of these things stop you from achieving anything they just make it uncomfortable they just make it a little hard and you know Saturday was a complete contrast to the Friday I was not stopping to take videos and I wasn't you know going on about the scenery I wasn't videoing myself putting myself on my stories as frequently you know it was very much like focusing on just doing what needed to be done and getting through so off I went through the next 40 miles uh, so I went through Inverna, well, Inverarnan's across the water, but past Inverarnan, past Crean Larrack, um, and then to Tind- Tindrum, Tindrum, oh, I'm never sure how to pronounce it, Tindrum or Tindrum. Now here's the cool thing, I got to Tindrum and I walked through this campsite. Now I just phoned my dad. Because a new time drum was coming up. I, I was I kept trying to decide where I was going to stop and sort my feet and get something to eat and a coffee and whatever. And, you know, it was, so I would get to somewhere and I'd be like, now nah, keep going. Or I would go past an honesty box. I'd be like, now nah, just keep going. Um, but then I called my dad. I was like, what's in Tindrum? Because I, c- I couldn't remember for the life of me. And he was like, oh, you'll get something to eat there. There's the green welly stop. I went, oh, that's where that is. Right, that's fine. The, if you know where the green welly stop is, it's like a big tourist destination, like a kind of gateway destination to the highlands where people stop off and waste money on souvenirs and eat expensive overpriced service station type food which is what I did um, but before that I came through this campsite now I'm just trying to I'm just trying to see if I can find the campsite on the map Oh, it doesn't really say. I remember that bit in the Legend of the Lost Sword. There's apparently somebody threw a sword into a river. No, I can't remember which campsite it was. 
I walked through this campsite and came round the corner and there was my neighbour's car. So my my neighbour, oh, maybe this one. Ben Glass campsite, maybe? I think it was that one. There was my neighbour's car. I was like, what is going on here? My, I recognised the reg plate and... Um, it was someone that lives in our estate that we know and talk to and, you know, we meet. I meet them on dog walks. Our two dogs get on well. And I thought, oh, they must be here climbing a hill. You know, I had to look around. You know, there was a couple of big peaks. I know they like climbing hills. So I thought, yeah, they must be up here doing something. So I took a picture of the car, sent it to my wife. I was like, look at this, look what I've just seen. And I carried on. <laughs> Ten minutes along the road and a black dog comes bounding towards me and I was like... That Jura. And I just heard somebody shout, Jura. And here we go, I met my two neighbours. Miles from home, on the West Highland Way, on this obscure path along a river. And here's two people from home, which was lovely. Um, but yeah, got to Tyndrum, went to the Green Welly stop. The first thing I did was go to the toilets. Now, Apologies, people of the Green Valley Stop, if anyone's listening, for the mess I made. I was soaked, obviously. So I stripped off in the in a cubicle, a toilet cubicle. They don't have, like, changing facilities. I stripped off, hung my bag up, hung my trousers, everything up, got my boots off, got my socks off, dried my feet, pulled, um, taped them up. So I was starting to get a couple of little hot spots, as you can imagine, walking for hours, in soaking wet feet, taped them all up like a mummy because the tape was slipping around because my feet were wet, taped up my individual toes that were starting to give me a little bit trouble, Um, powdered on my feet, took some painkillers, got dry socks on, put my wet boots back on, but what can you do, and then got everything else back on again, and then stood up and I was like, do you know what? That's actually much better. It was still very painful, but I thought if I go get something to eat, these painkillers will start to kick in and take away some of the aches that I'm getting and I should be all right. So through to the restaurant, macaroni, cheese and garlic bread, coffee, juice. I felt a bit revitalized again. There's a little shop next to the Greenwelly stop before you carry on on the path. Went in there, got more painkillers while I was there and then a phone clear. And that was really when... I got very emotional on the phone to Claire. You know, I could feel the pain in my feet. I was like, how am I going to carry on? But it was just because I had stopped and taken a break. I had taken that, you know, I'd already been experiencing this pain in my foot. The problem, my feet, sorry. The problem was I'd just given myself a break from it, um, which is the worst thing you can do sometimes, but you obviously have to rest. But once I got going again, the path from Tyndrum along to, where are we? Bridge of Orkey was actually pretty good. It was very consistent. If I remember right, this is the one that was called Old Military Road. Yeah, so I kept looking at the map. It was very long. It was very flat. Uh, the scenery was lovely. It was it was pretty good. It wasn't too difficult. Uh, then I got to Bridge of Orkey. I can't really remember too much about this part. I think I was just in survival mode. Amberor and Cottages, I don't think that's... 
Yeah, the next one was a king's house. Right, okay. So yeah, I got through all this bit. This bit is actually a blank. I must have zoned out for much of this and just kept walking because I'm looking at the path like I don't remember too much of this. I, I think I'll go drive the route one day. I want to see it all again. But yeah, uh, this is when things started to get nasty. Okay, so when I got to Glencoe, let's see if I can find the start point in the map. I got to something called the Glencoe Drover's Road. Now, this, I imagine, a Drover's Road would be how they used to get the livestock down from the Highlands to wherever the market was in the olden days. Now, I had already been walking for 11 hours by this point, And I reached the part where there was a sign and it was like um, Glencoe Drover's Road. And it was a cobbled path. Now, I was on this cobbled path for about four hours. And that was that that was the worst of the entire day, the whole thing, being wet, having wet feet, all the rest of it, that was the thing that almost almost broke me. Four hours of constant cobbles under your feet uneven ground, pounding achy feet against this path that was more or less all uphill as well. Um, that was the tough part. But, eventually got there. And I came, you know, it was getting, I, I came down the main road and I could see, I, I started to come round the side of this kind of mountain to where the Glencoe Mountain Resort is, and I could see the King's House Hotel in the distance. Now, I actually had to stop and put, you know, I was in my shorts at that point, I had to stop and put my uh, waterproof trousers back on, I had to put an extra couple of layers on up top because it was starting to get cold, it was like 8 o'clock at night. Um, I eventually got to the King's House Hotel, which is beautiful by the way, Google it, expensive but beautiful, sits right in the middle um, of the mountains. I got there at 10 o'clock at night. So I had left at 5-ish. No, I couldn't have been 5 because it was 15 hours. I must have. No. Whatever it was. Uh, I think I'd left at 5-ish, maybe closer-ish to 6, half 5, 6. And I think I got there at like 10 to 10, like actually at the reception for 10 to 10 at night. 40 miles, 15 some, fifteen hours something. So, uh, and this is the part that even though it was the worst day, it also ended up the best day, okay? So you can imagine the elation that I felt just walking through the doors of this hotel, getting there, because I was under pressure. I was really, I was starting to get concerned. I knew I could do it. But I knew that time was also against me. I had to get there for a reasonable time. Not not just because it was getting... It wasn't that dark because it's still the summer. But in my head, I'm like, do you know what? I need to get there because I need time to get sorted, to get washed, to eat, to get to sleep, to get back up again to do day three. Because there was also pressure on day three to make it to Fort William to get my train. So there was a lot of kind of time pressure here. But the train had got cancelled anyway. So that took a lot of pressure off. But I walked through the doors of the King's House Hotel. I was supposed to be staying in the bunkhouse. 
And I walked through the door and I was like, there is no fucking way I am sharing a room with eight other people in these three high bunk beds in a room. It's 10 o'clock at night. Half of them will be sleeping. I'm going to go in and start crashing about. I was like, fuck this. Got to the desk. What hotel rooms do you have? Do you have any available? Went, yep. He goes, but the rate's £290. Now, I would have paid it. I didn't say anything because the guy straight away said, but I'll take that down to a flat 200 for you and I'll transfer your £50 over from the bunkhouse so it'll be 150 quid. So he essentially took it down like 50%. I was like, do it. Do it. Um, and that was when things got really good because I was talking to him and a girl who just came back from somewhere that worked there was blethering and asking questions and I told them where I'd come from and the two of them were like, holy fuck. Explained to them it was for charity and um, then they were very friendly. You know, have you had anything to eat? Let me go and see what's left in the kitchen. I'll give you a phone and let you know what's there. So I got to my room, started running my bath, got all my shit off, got everything off. Guy phoned me. We've got some venison pies. And in my head, I was thinking of like a scotch pie, like a small pie that had venison in it. I went, anything, whatever, mate, I'll take it. And if you could send me like a pint of cola or something as well, that would be great. Trying to get some calories into me again. Um, And he chapped the door with this massive, honestly, it was like a eight or nine inches, big round dish. And it was like a steak pie, not like some scotch pie. It was like a steak pie, but it was venison, venison inside and vegetables and everything. Oh my God. Can you imagine how much I enjoyed that? after everything I'd done that day. Plus my pint of cola. And the, the pint of cola was a funny one because I bought a, I had a three litre bladder of water in my backpack with a, a hose coming out of it, a straw, a big long straw. And I had bought um, rehydration tablets. So, you know, like the SIS sports tablets you know the ones that you get i'm trying to think of the barocca you know how barocca comes in that tube those efflorescent uh tablets well i'd got those but i thought you know, i was looking at all the flavors i went these cola ones i'll go with them fuck me because the bladder was down my back i was bit you know for the first hour great cold tap water temperature juice basically but for the rest of the time it was like whatever temperature my back was was what temperature the water was So I'd already been drinking warm cola water for two days now. Um, So I've got a kind of funny relationship with cola at the moment. But anyway, I had my bath. I got stripped. Video called my wife and my sons. um, Did my Instagram stuff. Destroyed the venison pie. I'll forget that. I'll, I'll, I'll never forget that meal for as long as I live and I'll never I'll never forget that day that night into the morning because the following morning I woke up I didn't sleep great at all during the whole thing um I'm not sure why but I was having very kind of worried sweaty sleeps like I've had in the past when I've struggled with anxiety and stuff I was probably just worrying about the pressure of you know getting all this done but managed to get some sleep had another lovely shower in the morning um, oh, I forgot to mention, the place had a drying room, a phenomenal drying room. So all of my stuff, all my socks that were all soaked that had been swapping over, my jacket, my trousers, my boots, all went in this amazing drying room. And I went down to get it all in the morning. And oh my goodness, just the fact that everything had lost like 
a couple of kilos and water weight was phenomenal. My boots were bone dry in and out. I got my feet taped up. I got them powdered. I got my fresh, my fresh dry socks on into my fresh dry boots. I felt pretty good in the morning. My feet, yes, were sore, but I took painkillers. And this is the next best bit. I went downstairs to check out and the, the staff had been great. They'd give me a shot of a charger because my charging cable had bo- broke for charging my battery pack, which was going to run out and I was going to have no phone for most of the last day. My phone hadn't charged overnight because of the stupid cable getting water in it the day before. Anyway, they've been so helpful. So as I was checking out, I was like, is there any chance I could get like something hot to eat before I leave? She went, oh, there was breakfast included with your room. And honestly, she must have seen the look in my face. My jaw would have just dropped. She went, so if you just go through there to the right, um, you'll help yourself to the buffet breakfast. And I was like, oh my God, are you kidding me? Walked through to the restaurant. The restaurant's incredible. Glass windows all round looking onto the mountains. Um, and here were all these individual, you know, those metal serving things where you lift the lid open yourself and it's all there. I had the biggest fry up ever. Haggis, black pudding, sausage, egg. Beans, bacon, toast, tatty scone. What did I move? A couple of glassy orange juice, a couple of cups of coffee. I was revitalized. So my feet were all intact. My painkillers had kicked in. I just destroyed easily a 1500 calorie breakfast. I knew I was going to have plenty of fuel in the tank. Got chatting to a couple of people around me, telling them what I was doing. Um, Because they saw me struggling to stand up and stuff. And I was like, oh, I came from Inversnade yesterday. And again, they were like, fucking hell. And they were trying to hand me money. You know, I explained I was doing it for charity. And they all went into their purses and their wallets. And they're trying to throw fives and tens at me. I went, oh, if you go, I gave them. They took a photo of the Just Giving page. I got it up on my phone. They took a picture of it so they could go find it later. And, you know, when I was going through the comments, I went back and they're all on there. Lovely to meet you at the hotel. Good luck with your last day. It was so nice. Um, So off I went. King's House Hotel, left there. I actually gave myself, because my train was cancelled on the Sunday, it took all the pressure off. All the pressure. And... I just enjoyed the last day. This was to be the shortest day at 27 miles. So we had done 32, 40. This was to be 27 or thereabouts. I can't, whatever adds up to 96. Um, but it was going to be the shortest day and a little tough, but not that tough. It ended up, it was tougher. People made it out to be tougher than it was. You know, they tried to fill me with dread about doing the devil staircase, which ended up to be nothing. Um, there were a couple of big inclines after that, but apart from that, the last day was relatively quiet. I had no signal, uh, no signal for a long time. So yeah, I, l- I left the King's House Hotel. And I was sending my wife video messages, and I was like very hyper, like woohoo, let's go! And she was very happy knowing that I was feeling better than I was the day before. You know, my feet felt good, my legs felt good. Once the painkillers kicked in and everything eased off, I was like, "Yep, I can do this. I am going to get to that finish line tonight." Uh, but I lost signal for a long time. But I was up very high, incredible scenery, lots of pictures, loads of waterfalls. It barely rained. I was in my shorts the whole day. That's a lie. I was in my shorts until there was a big downpour. Just, you know, there, there'd been no cover for a long time. And just as I approached this little patch of trees, there was a downpour. So I, I ran into the trees to get cover. 
put my waterproof trousers on, and of course, the fucking sun came out afterwards. But because it's such an upheaval to undo laces, take boots off, and it's horrible taking boots off and putting them on again when you're, you just want to get going, I kept the trousers on. I did eventually get to a point where I took them off because it was getting too hot again. But anyway, I walked into Fort William, and here's the last part of my story. <laughs> now, it was a beautiful walk. Um, you were way up in the hills. As I say, no signal for a long time. My wife was getting a bit worried. But once I did eventually start getting close to Fort William. In fact, I stopped in Kinloch Leaven. I stopped in Kinloch Leaven, went into a pub, had a coffee, um, chilled out for just 10, 15 minutes, the tail race in, um, and then cracked on again. And that was me all the way to Fort William. So yeah, here's the thing. What... You don't really need a map because it's well signposted. Like anytime you come up to a point where you're like, oh, which way should I go? There's always a little post there with a little white thistle on it just to keep you on track. Plenty of signs for the West Highland Way. You can't really go wrong. Uh, but I kept dipping into my Google Maps because I was trying to get arrival times. That was the thing I wanted to know, you know, predicting what time I'm going to get there at. So when I did this for Fort William, it it had it had set the end point where it wasn't supposed to be, basically, right? So I came round this corner and it's like 30 minutes to go. I was like, you beauty, 30 minutes. I can't believe it. I'm actually going to get there at a reasonable time. So I got there and I was like, yeah, I don't see Fort William. I don't see civilization. I don't see any water. This can't be right. And um, I checked my maps again and it had just set it to some waypoint. So I went in like Fort William, uh, it's not West Highland Way end and it changed it it was another 30 minutes away and I went do you know what that's fine um, this didn't look right anyway I'm glad I've not made a mistake or I've not went the wrong way so another 30 minutes I come into Fort William and there's this sign that says the original end of the West Highland Way and I went, what do you mean the original end? Where's where's the end end then? I don't want... And then I checked it. Another 15 minutes to get to the middle of Fort William where the official end of the West Highland Way was. And it was very anticlimactic, as I said earlier. It was just a statue of a guy sitting on a bench. But fortunately, there was a guy there to take my picture next to it. Um, I can't remember the exact time. All the way back, I was like... All the way there... Or the last part anyway, I'm like, right, what am I going to do for dinner tonight? What do I really, really, really fancy? And I'll phone my wife and get her to find somewhere good and book a table for me. Um, so I went for an Indian um, to get a korma, which was all right. <laughs> it wasn't great, but it was fine. Um, then I went to the Witherspoons for a pint of Brewdog. And then I went to my B&B, which one of my incredible members donated for me. So my a few mentions, uh, Nicola Mackay phoned my bed and breakfast. So because my train was cancelled, I had to book a bed and breakfast for the night. Nicola Mackay, one of my clients, called and paid for my bed and breakfast for me. My good friend, Sam McKenzie, uh, booked, you know, I, when I was walking towards Fort William, I jokingly said... Um, if anyone would like to donate a sports massage, like as in if there was any people that could do it following me that wanted to donate one, I jokingly said. But then my friend Sam went and booked a spa day uh, for my wife and I. 
a friend of my wife's uh, who works for ScotRail arranged my ticket for me on the Monday. So taking my ticket from 60 quid down to the friends and family rate of £6, which was tremendous as well. So, And on top of that, everyone that got in touch, honestly, every single text, every response to a story, every DM, every voice note, um, my meditation coach sent my voice note, my friends were sending me voice notes, uh, the video calls, the reactions to stories, even just share, you know, everybody that donated, the, the total is £2,095. I'm going to add another fiver onto that just to round it off at 2-1. Uh, everyone that donated and everyone that donated non-financially, sharing stories, sharing posts, publicizing it anywhere. It was a tremendous weekend on social media and I was fortunate to have a signal for a lot of it as well. So I've seen everything that went on. So there you have it. Uh, any advice I would give to people in the future? <laughs> Number one, don't do it in three days. If you really want to do it in three days and the weather is good on the first day, walk farther. That was, the, you know, when my wife said to me, would you do anything differently? I, I said, yeah, I would have went farther on the first day. My feet were good. My legs were good. I got to Inversnade at 5 p.m. Um, I think the next stop after Inversnaid was Inverarnon, which was another six and a half miles, which would probably have been another two hours of walking. So had I added that extra two hours onto the first day and stopped in Inverarnon, first of all, um, I would have probably got there about seven, eight o'clock at night. But I would have been two hours closer for day two, meaning day two, I would have probably got there about seven, eight o'clock at night as well. Uh, but I don't know if I would change it or not because I really enjoyed my first night. It was very memorable and stopping in Inversnade was lovely. But in terms of being strategic and just kind of my experience and me wishing I could have taken a couple of hours off of the second day, that would be the only thing I would change. But I am going to do it again in the future, but it will very much be a holiday. <laughs> like when I was walking on the path, there are vans going past you all day. West Highland Way baggage transport, like minivans, uh, seven-seaters, people with cars. They, basically, uh, it's a baggage handling service. So you arrive at an accommodation, you wake up in the morning, you leave your big bag in a pile, and they take it to your next stop. So you're free just to wander. You know, I was walking with like 20 kilos on my back for the full thing with all my clothes and food and fluids for the weekend. Anyway, this is a very niche episode and there will be a few people that it does benefit. I hope it's helpful. Again, as ever, reach out to me if you want to ask anything or you want to clarify anything from someone that's, you know, done it and walked the route, just drop me an email. I'm happy to reply. Jason at MonroeNutrition.com. Thanks for listening. I hope it's been helpful.